Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We got Ari Wasserman. We got Max Olson. Later, we're going to have Scott Docterman. It's a very, very newsy Monday. Big, big happenings in Austin, Texas on Monday. The Texas Longhorns started spring practice. Arch Manning has been on a practice field, gentlemen. How do we feel about that, Ari? Just seeing them side by side. You know, I'm just fired up. Just, just really fired up. You know, I'll say this. Arch Manning does look like, you know, I'm not a trying quarterback? to no, no, but like he like has the the perfect frame for it. Like the guy looks like he's been in college already for a year to me. And, you know, it's like this is the first day. If of only he knew some for, people who'd played football at a very no, high no, level. No, but I'm saying like, good advice on training. the idea. <laughs> the idea of uh, the first day of spring is overreact and jump to conclusions when all they've done is throw a few passes and shorts. But like I do. I sent Ari this, one picture of Arch in a practice uniform, and he's like, that kid looks like a sophomore. He's a stud. <laughs> a stud. Uh, no, I he's do think, though, it. that... Look at that picture. The, he's got for, it. Oh, Ari's, got, Ari's got a Google image search going on where he's just got every image that was taken of Arch today. I, I've he's, learned a lot from you, Max. Uh, if you think that that was the first time I was looking at pictures of him today, you're crazy. Uh, <laughs> I do think for the sake of this podcast, though, it would be amazing if this turned into a thing. Like I don't know uh, if it will, Quinn. but like if it actually, if he if it after spring, and I don't know if it ever like amount to this because Sark did a pretty good job of, you know, uh, you know, keeping quarterback competitions in the past under wraps. If you remember how he handled the Quinn uh, Hudson card situation a year ago or a year and a half ago or whatever it's been, he did a pretty good job of keeping people guessing. But if it became apparent that there was an actual, um competition and fall that would be quite the thing to follow so you know for selfish reasons i'm kind of hoping it happens but on the other hand too i can't just bail on my boy quinn like what do you think i'm gonna do just throw him away and pretend like he doesn't exist like throw that's my guy throw him away like he threw away his mullet all right let, yeah let's, I, I, let's, I bet those boys were, were talking ring size in between throws this morning don't you think already? yeah yeah <laughs> i know yeah already. oh god i mean personally I, speaking I did, I did real diamonds. about this last summer after arch committed i asked like how do you how does that kind of work when they're both in the room and and the way he sees it is like he calls it silos like quinn's gonna work on his stuff and i think obviously coming off that first season of starting quinn's got to work on footwork and accuracy and consistency and all that and Arch is going to work on his stuff, and yeah, it's going to be super interesting in August to see how far along both of them are. Arch has nothing to work on. <laughs> He's complete. Did you see that today? That pass that he threw? I haven't seen the what video. Does to, the video is unbelievable. You, you, you guys are getting on me for Anthony Richardson at the Combine. Listen, throwing against air is throwing against air. Let's, yeah. well, let's call it Anthony what it Richardson's is. last name isn't Manning, okay? <laughs> That's true. All right, let's hear Sark talking about Quinn and Arch, our guy uh, Omar Richardson from Orange Bloods, teed him up to talk about his QBs on day one. Which what uh, areas would you like to see Quinn kind of grow and develop maybe this spring? And then can you give me your just first impression of Arch out there? Yeah, that's fair. I think from a quarterback standpoint, um, 
thought Quinn had a really good winter, you know, where, you know, it's like anything. You, he was essentially a true freshman this time last year for us. And so there's a lot on his mind that, that it's like when the gears are moving, but there's no WD-40 in there, as those gears were grinding. And it, it felt that way for him pretty much all year long. Um, this winter, it just feels natural. You know, he's throwing the ball well. Um, I think he's emerging as a leader. You know, I'm watching him break the team down. I'm watching him do those things, uh, which is positive. And I think what he's done, he's serving for Arch of, hey, this is what it looks like, and this is how to go about your business. And for Arch today, day one, um, there's there's some plays for sure that he would, would love to have back. And there's some other plays that he made. I think everybody was like, wow, that, that was a heck of a play. So um, again, True freshman should still be in high school, but uh, you know he brings a definitely a, a worker's mentality, and he, he wants to be really good at this game. So worker's mentality. Uh, Did he bring his lunch pail? The the gears were grinding. You know what really grinds my gears when coaches talk you know about really grinding? Grinds my, yeah, yeah, guys. It's just guys, like he he should be going to prom, but he's in college. Oh. <laughs> I mean, he shouldn't be going to prom till May, but come on. Yeah, it's true. We love that one. I think he's still going to uh, go to prom. Like, he could fly home. That His kid's really prom, rich. For sure. Yeah. So, I'm, not a, I'm not a car person, but like, if gears are grinding and there's no oil, doesn't that mean the engine's going to burst? Well, I don't think he was talking about a car because you're not using WD 40 to. To lubricate those gears. Do you own WD forty, Ari? That that was that was what was going through yeah, my head. Yeah, I do that. because All our right. door. No, listen though, my our door was squeaking. Britt mm. bought it and Britt applied it and fixed the squeak. <laughs> I love Britt so much. It wasn't me. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have it. It has that little uh, long red straw. Yep. Oh yeah. Just to yeah, get we got one of those. We got a can here. of those. No, but I'm just saying, like in general, if you're not properly lubed, doesn't it the mechanics of any engine or Something that's reliant. If, if on you spray WD forty inside a car engine, does it like light on fire? I don't even know. <laughs> I, is that a bad I, I analogy? I've ever, I don't think I've ever tried that. I How mean, much I, different I is WD forty from Pennzoil? Uh, I'm sure mm. in the comments we have some people correcting us. This but. is not the podcast <laughs> for these topics. Yeah, yeah, this is this is not it. Let's talk quarterbacks because Sark had a, another question that he got about Quinn Ewers. And it was the one I frankly wanted answered the most because Quinn Ewers cut off the mullet. And you know, speaking of car repair, I always thought with the mullet, Quinn looked like that guy in town who can get you the fuel pump for a 1988 Pontiac Fiero at a very reasonable price. And so he doesn't anymore. And apparently Let's keep uh, that on the download. Not exactly street legal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's uh but but apparently. This this is making him a better leader or or something. Here's here is Sark on the uh, the the removal of the mullet, and I'm sure Sark as he's answering this is like I cannot believe I have to answer this question. This had a unique look, and then what was your impression when uh, he decided to get the haircut? And do you think that's kind of a, a sense of him maybe taking it more seriously coming into this season? I think that was one of the unfortunate things with Quinn. Quinn's a great kid. Um, he's a great teammate. He's really coachable. Uh, but one thing we had talked about is sometimes that your you know your appearance slash perception precedes you, and then you almost have to overcome yourself. Right. And so all of a sudden now the guy, 
gets a haircut and, and he you know cleans his beard up a little bit and everyone thinks Quinn's real serious right now. <laughs> uh, but that's that's human nature, right? So I give him a lot of credit for recognizing you know what he needs to do from a developmental standpoint, but it's never been a question of kind of um, him taking this serious. He wants to be really good. He wants to be a leader on this team. He wants to win a championship with these guys, and um, that that doesn't change what he does on a day to day. But appearance is what it is, and so um, I do think him recognizing that shows some maturity of of kind of his approach to what he's doing. So is he saying that the haircut makes him more serious, or is he laughing that people think that? Because he said both. Yes, he kind of made it sound like he encouraged him to get a haircut. It, yeah. it does sound like that, which, all right, George Steinbrenner, what are we doing here? Like, I think it's the, that doesn't I even work for the Yankees Judging anymore. him by his appearance is the dumbest thing on the face of the earth. Wasn't there used to be a thing at the combine where they were like you, uh, if you had a bunch of tattoos as a quarterback that you were taken less seriously because you're not a good leader? Oh, it's a bunch like, of we, tattoos, period. That, not just as a quarterback, but now, no, now but I, they, thought, I thought a quarterback, <laughs> like specifically, like if you had a sleeve that you were like less likely to command the locker room or something. Yeah. Which is, and I saw a meme on Instagram today that said, if you used to have it like in 25 years ago, when you had a sleeve, you were in a biker gang that would kill somebody. And now you're a chef that makes a, a a wonderful pork belly with balsamic glaze. (laughs) Dynamite risotto. (laughs) Exactly. Like, uh, I don't know. One of my best friends is tattooed his entire body and he's a good person. I, I, I don't know what, uh, um, you know, any of that haircut stuff has to do with it. And it's like, do you, is that like a symbol um, intentionally by him to come out and say, Hey guys, enough with the mullet, enough with the star ratings, enough with all the stuff that people perceive of me. It's time for me to, you know, blend in and, and, and earn it. Is that what people think is happening? I, I just hope it doesn't hurt his swag. Cause like, yeah, that's wh- the whole thing. The, the Quinn Ewers I want is the Quinn Ewers pre injury in the Alabama game. Like, give me that guy because he looked like yeah. he wasn't afraid of squat. Like he didn't care. You see Bryce Harper hit a home run before, and then he gets to the home plate and his like long hairs out. Is he is his hair short now? But you know he flips the helmet off and question, does one bro. of those. Do you do one of those things with the hair? You know, I mean, where I, it flips back and it's just like know, that is. The, I want Quinn to take his not? helmet off. Well, I think I think we can all agree that the problem was the beard. I thought the beard didn't look as good, but the mullet's classic. I think I think just completely crushing your brand with one haircut is it's tough. It's a tough move. I, I agree. And also, too, in the world of NIL, wasn't he like profiting off of that haircut a little bit? Probably, but profit, so. he could profit plenty off winning at Texas. No, so I, I know. I just mean like it was kind of like synonymous with like his brand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm sure Sark didn't want to hear anything about his brand either. So <laughs> that, that, that might have sped along that discussion. But yeah, I don't care what his hair looks like. Again, the mullet was very swaggy, but. If he is going out there and, and refining some of the, the flashes we saw last year, there's a chance they could wind up with a really good offense this year. Yeah, Max, because, let me ask you this. Uh, I feel like a lot of people gave him a bad rap last year. Um, you know, and he had his moments of great, you know, flashes, and he had his moments of, I wish he could have had that playback. But I thought he played pretty well. You know, I, I I looked at that and said, that's something you can build off of. Like, what was your take on what you saw out of him? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think what Sark said is like was was how I looked at Quinn Ewers going in 2022 is like, I don't really think two handoffs at Ohio State is really 
you know, evidence that you like developed a ton in your semester there. And like, we should view you as a second year guy. Like, I think he still had to kind of go through the whole process of, of learning how to, you know, be a quarterback at the college level. And when he got to Texas and um, I think the thing is like with him is you saw like just the bad games were bad, you know, and that's going to be the case with freshmen. I thought the Oklahoma state game in, in, in particular is one where like, that should be, yeah. you know, that should be a win, but you were just too inaccurate. Like, I think that there's some of those that were, were just like rough, but that doesn't mean that, you know, I think we are just so quick to give up on people nowadays in college football that like, yeah, y- you take that as like, Oh, I guess he's not it. Well, especially you know, when the next one here, comes, here comes along. Arch. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so like, I think that there's, as I said before, like, I think there's some very clear things to, um, improve on and just the, I mean, it, look, there's not like one player that can come along and replace Bijan. And, and I think Roshan Johnson's a tough loss too, obviously. Um, but man, like the receiver group with what they have coming back and then to add AD Mitchell, to add John Tay Cook, um, the running backs, you add the number one running back recruit in the country to help replace the pros you lose, like. The playmakers around, uh, you know, him and Arch is uh, it's an impressive group this year. And the offensive line is another year long. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you're older. So. I mean, yeah, it's it. I mean, the pieces are. I mean, the pieces are there for a, you know, top ten type scoring offense if they can kind of figure it all out. Oh, Ari, Ari's hooking <laughs> back, them right baby. now. <laughs> you're yeah. you're all in. Uh, I, I need to yeah. see it. I need to see <laughs> it. But no, I I do think they're in a good situation. And the fact that that Arch is the rare recruit quarterback recruit of his level who does not seem to be obsessed with playing immediately or intent on playing immediately. I don't think there's going to be a problem. Like if he's clearly better and they decide he's the quarterback, that's one thing. But if it's close, it seemed like he was going with the intent of playing behind Quinn Ewers for a year and then assuming the job. So nothing seems you know, out of sorts here. And I, it feels like it could be a pretty smooth situation. Yeah. I mean, we, I probably was like, I, like, do you guys think Quinn Ewers will be at the combine next year? Like, I think we, you saw if a lot of that good? when Arch committed of like, yeah. Oh, he'll just be at Texas for two years and hand it off to Arch. And like, I, I don't know. I, there's, there's a lot of growth that's got to happen there, mm-hmm. obviously, or you go in the portal or something, but like I, it, how this next year plays out, it's going to be really fascinating. Cause if he, yeah, if he does put it all together, then you could see, you could see that being the next step for him. But, uh, obviously, Like I said, the accuracy, consistency, footwork, um, there's a lot of stuff to clean up. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. We're now joined by Scott Docterman, who covers Iowa for the Athletic. And Scott, you can't get away from this podcast. <laughs> there's just, there's always something going on. And so on Monday, 
a settlement in the racial discrimination lawsuit that, that was filed by former Iowa football players. But there's a twist. Yeah, there's definitely a twist in this one. Uh, one that I didn't see coming. I got, I knew that the settlement was on its way and what happened to, the coaches wanted to fight and go all the way through the trial. The university's like, let's just get rid of this thing. We don't want to pay any more attorneys. We'd rather just get rid of it. Uh, but on Monday morning, when the announce, the settlement would be made official at $4.175 million for attorney's fees and the uh, 12 plaintiffs, uh, the state auditor in Iowa, Rob Sand, uh, said that he would oppose the settlement, which involved $2 million from the state, uh, if Gary Barta remains the athletic director at Iowa. And Gary Barta has been at the uh, Iowa athletic director since 2006, but he's he's lost several of these cases, um, all of them, in fact. Um, you know, in 2017, they lost a gender and sexual discrimination lawsuit uh, for $6.5 million, which drained their reserves, which they sorely needed during the COVID year. Then in COVID, um, 10 days after the Big Ten announced it would shut down the football season, he decided to eliminate four sports, was sued for Title IX uh, compliance, and uh, was forced to not only pay for the attorney's fees, but reinstate the women's sport that he cut and then add another women's sport on top of it. <laughs> uh, there have been other issues we've, I know that have gotten a lot of people laughing over the years, whether it's Brian F- or Kirk Ferentz's multiple 10 year contracts that you can't get out of. Fran he's McCaffrey not, he's not been a great one. negotiator by any stretch. No, he's the Washington Generals of negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, it, I've not seen something like this before where a, like a state official has just said, we're not helping you pay for this unless he's not there. Now, could the, could the athletic department just pay for this? Or because it said the Board of Regents is also paying. Yeah, it's it's divided up because the Board of Regents is an is a arm of the state of Iowa when it governs the three major universities, Northern Iowa, Iowa State, and the University of Iowa. And so the settlement, because the individuals, the coaches, did not want to have any part of a settlement, uh, they were dismissed. And then this came aboard the uh, the both the, the state of Iowa's Board of Regents and then, of course, uh, the University of Iowa. It could be switched. I don't see any reason why it couldn't be to, to either go through the athletic department or go through the state of Iowa. But I think he is, um, you know, Rob Sand is mimicking a lot of people right now, which is Gary Barta is not necessarily the most popular figure in Iowa, hasn't been for a long time, even though the, the athletics wing of this has been fairly successful recently. I mean, you look at, you know, the women just won their second straight Big Ten tournament or ranked in the top 10. The men's team is basketball team has been successful. Football has largely been successful. Wrestling, the base wrestling, of course, although they're not very successful. They're only second. Uh, if they're not <laughs> first, they're last. That's the way they look at it. And then and then also even the baseball teams, eight and one beat number one LSU. So uh, six success in athletics has been probably at its zenith overall. However, um, you know, when it comes to being able to to do these types of projects, I mean, you're talking about a football stadium that's largely sold out every year, was last year in July, and you're talking about an athletic department that's part of the Big Ten that just continues to get more and more money. So, uh, you know, when you you peel back what Gary Barta has and hasn't done, um, there's been a lot of 
dings here. And this is this the latest one. And he was warned about a lot of the discrimination situation involving Chris Doyle, the weight room in, in 2018, in 2019, and chose to do only a little bit. And then it all exploded uh, in early June of 2020. And that's where, why we're here now with the settlement. So do you think they're going to relieve Gary Bardo of his duties? Or, or do you think they'll figure out a way to pay for this without doing that? I would not be surprised if the university decides to handle the payment of this. And I also would not be surprised if Gary Barta is no longer the athletic director at some point. Uh, he had unwavering support at different junctures uh, when he fi- was forced to fire the field hockey coach for mistreatment. Uh, the one hang up with that was you had uh, the, the senior associate athletics director, Jane Meyer, was uh, the field hockey's partner, he had her reassigned and then she was eliminated. Her job was eliminated from the university. So mm. she sued on retaliation and, and sexual discrimination and, and ended up settling out of court $6.5 million. Uh, there have been a lot of people who have wanted him out, but this, the athletics, uh, or the, the presidential's office has always supported him. Well, they have a new president over a, a course of about a last year in Barbara Wilson. And it would not surprise me at all. You know, she has a different voice mm-hmm. and a different uh, view of this. So I could see Gary Barta probably uh, leaving. And, and, and the other factor is that he used to have unwavering support from Kirk Ferentz, and that's no longer the case. Um, they've, they've butted heads over Brian's contract, but also f- over things such as uh, the, the role of the athletic department in, in supporting the collective. And so I, I don't know that there's a lot of support with internally for Gary Barta at this point. G- Gary is responsible for the drive for 325, right? He's the one who set it up. And I think that was the one that people were excited about that. Okay. Now there's a perimeter, but I would say if, you know, who's more popular, Gary is more popular than Brian Ferentz, but he's um, a fraction of the popularity of, uh, of Kirk Ferentz okay. or Lisa Bluter or any of the other administrator or coaches at the university of Iowa. So they just hired a deputy AD named Beth Getz, who was the, the AD at ball state since 2018 it would seem like if they have to make a change that they have somebody who can step in and run the department pretty pretty capably in the short term no no doubt about it i mean beth has had a, a you know a lot of difficult things she's had to go through at uh in her career a few, when now it's what 7 or 8 9 years ago she was at the university of minnesota as the deputy when they had a uh, a scumbag named Norwood Teague, who was, um, you know, accused and, and later removed for, you know, for sexual harassment of not only people inside the athletics department, but reporters and those types of things. And she had to step in and be the interim there until they hired Mark Coyle. And then she, of course, was at Ball State, did an excellent job. And she's well thought of, well respected in the industry, has been on all major committees. I think she could step in and, uh, you know, I would put her as the odds on favorite if, uh, if they decided to make a move. Well, Scott, I know you've got an appeals board meeting to cover. This is, uh, not what you sign up to be a sports writer for, but, uh, this is, this is going to be really interesting to see how this goes. Cause you don't usually see a government official just draw a line in the sand, like, uh, not writing a check if the AD's not fired. 
Exactly. Well, and as you know, all of you know, in Iowa, things move pretty slowly in this area. They are, they are not knee jerk, uh, you know, the, and probably to their detriment a little bit. Sometimes they do need to have a little bit more of that and they don't. So when things do come out like this, that means it's serious, that they're, they are serious about this. And the, the one thing I will say, Rob Sand is one of the few government officials in the state that are, that's a Democrat. And, uh, but I would say also his, um, you know, the majority of Republicans, including some of the kingmakers during the caucuses, are uh, anti-BARDA as well. It's bad when the caucuses are coming up in a year and they're worried about him. You know, they, they, need, <laughs> they need to be worried about who's coming by the Hamburg Inn to stump. So, Scott, thank you so much. Uh, go cover your appeals board meeting and uh, we, we may see you again very soon. All right. Thanks for having me on. All right, guys. That was fun. That is, uh, it was so like, fascinating. I had nothing to say, which is rare. It's so weird. Like, <laughs> how how often do you see that where they're like, "But the AD's got to go." I mean, that's that's well, crazy. to see like to see taxpayers on the hook for this one. Yeah. Like, Wait, oh, how does that so, happen? So bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you find some Big Ten money that you're that you're about to get to pay for this. Like, this is your fault. You you don't need to be soaking the taxpayers for this one. Yeah, but, but Brian Ferens also was involved in the thing that we were talking about that has nothing to do with the production. So, like the idea of, but uh, he was he was not part of this case. He was dismissed from this case with prejudice, so you can't really lump him in. Like, he I just can't think be added to it later. I think it's interesting that there is a potential for taxpayers who love the University of Iowa to have to pay for this when this. Cold War between the head yes. coach and the athletic directors happening, you know, in front of our eyes, and the best that we could get was maybe, maybe it's a blessing that we get to drive to three twenty five. But this is the guy who is uh, not able to enforce the the whole thing. So well, uh, and, and it shows you how bad of a, a negotiator Gary Barta is that he's the one who handed Kirk Ferentz all that power. I mean, it, he didn't have to extend him as far as he did. Who was he bidding against? Like in the l- most recent extension, I know the one way, way back, there was NFL interest in Kirk Ferentz. But in the most recent extension, who was coming after Kirk Ferentz that you had to lock him down for that long? No, you're right. Yeah, that's nuts. So I mean, that's that's the thing. Well, now 10 year so- contracts are guaranteed. So, yeah. uh, you know, maybe he was a visionary. That's Gary, that is the first time that word's ever been used with Gary Barta. So there you go. All right, guys, we, we've got to talk about something else. So I, I was out in combine land when you, you and Stuart Mandel's story on the Big 12 and the Pac-12 came out last week. But there was a lot going on. Mac Rhodes, the Baylor AD, had gone on the radio in Waco and, and said, well, we're not trying to take any teams from the Pac-12. But, you know, if it, I'm par- paraphrasing here, but it's basically if it happens, it happens. And. It feels like to me, the longer this delay goes with the Pac-12 not finishing up its its media rights deal, the more just oxygen it gives all this other stuff. Yeah, I, I think in reporting that out with with Stu over the course of last week, um, I think we both kind of marveled at how, and I'm sure you guys have probably noticed this too, the, the Pac-12 and Big 12 folks seemingly are living in completely different realities about what's going on here. Yeah. Um, and that's what that was kind of our challenge is kind of reporting from each side of it and trying to put it all together because um, on the Pac 12 side, I think there's still 
um, like a defensiveness of like things are not as bad as they seem. This is coming together. It takes time because you have, you know, new bidders here with Apple and Amazon or whatever. Except the big 12s um, didn't take any time at all. <laughs> no time at all. Right. That's, um, that's but the, that was that's re-upping the with part. your current partners, which is right, a, a exactly. simple process. Um, it, yeah, it takes time. Like if I were to forecast how things are looking as of today, like don't think it's getting done this week. I think we're probably looking at closer to the end of the month if they get a deal done. Um, if when, you know, I, so I think that it's a lengthy process obviously. And that, that makes it frustrating for some people. But I think the Pac-12 folks still believe like it's going to be a good number. Maybe will will it be, you know, more than the Big 12? Possibly not, but good enough. They think. I think that there's still a lot of skepticism that anybody would leave the Pac-12 and the you know perceived advantage of of, of academic prestige in the Pac-12 that no president's going to sign off on that over the matter of just a little bit of money if the if the TV deal is not quite right. And there's kind of that skepticism that, you know, ultimately ADs get pitched on this stuff, but it's the presidents who have to approve, you know, switching conferences. And they, you know, Pac-12 ones certainly view things way more through the lens of uh, academics than athletics. And on the Big 12 side, um, they're telling a very different story. And I think probably more successfully uh, in terms of um, really (laughs) trying to destabilize the Pac-12 and really create some. Um, hype around what they're doing and and really like I think and again this this goes like to the fan bases online too I think it's just like gotten crazy on Twitter like how um how uh I don't know people people are very fired up about this oh I had I had an Iowa State fan somebody had 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 tweeted out what I had told Richard Deitch our our media writer about the ACC stuff Mm -hmm. and the ACC TV deal and I said the ACC TV deal isn't as bad as as it's being made out to be because it's going to pay more than the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and and but we'll still be far behind the Big Big 10 and the SEC and and there was an Iowa State fan that's like no that's not true and put up a, a graphic that had like the Big 12 getting 38 million dollars a year in TV money which they're not they're, they're getting 31 and the ACC was 33 but that was the average when the deal was done in 2017 or whatever hmm. like the average now of what's remaining on the deal is higher because they're all backloaded. So, like it, it's people are very passionate about this online about yeah, TV on money. Sides. It's strange. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, and it's on the on the Big Twelve side. It's like um, as we reported on Friday. Like there's there's I think renewed optimism that they have a chance to um, you know land the four corner schools and that um, that no matter what deal George Klyovkov can put together, I, I would imagine Brett Yarmark is prepared to argue it's not good enough and that they're better off in the big 12 and that um, he has a, a better vision for the future here than the PAC 12 does. And so um, I, they're, you know, they're continuing those conversations. And um, I think, you know, these next few weeks are going to be really critical. Um, and obviously there's lots of stuff that will happen as a result of what this deal ends up looking like um, on, on both sides of it. But it's, it's wild to me just following it because on like, I think both sides are not taking the other side very seriously and, and right. think that the other side is like totally de- delusional. And, uh, you but know, there, it's, so that, there that makes it complicated they, to report yeah. out like what's real with this stuff. There, there will be a day where they have to reckon that, like reconcile that yeah. where, where like the, the PAC 12 deal will be on the table. And if it's good enough, they'll just be like, okay, sounds good. And they'll sign it and, and that'll be done. And then the next step will be, do they add somebody? Does the big 12 add somebody from the yeah. West coast? Yeah. And, and then they're fighting over San Diego state, which will, also be interesting but what if it's not okay or it's not okay with everybody that that's when 
all of this stuff the Big 12 has been doing. And, and look, we all know that they, there's been stuff planted mm-hmm. strictly to embarrass and destabilize the Pac-12. No doubt. We, we know that. But also, the Big 12 has done what it should do in this situation, which is keep the lines of communication open and keep saying, hey, if you want, if you want, if you want to Arizona, to Colorado, to Utah, uh, to Arizona State. And so that if the if the day comes, I mean, it's, it's really like the dumb and dumber thing. So you're telling me there's a chance until that deal's on the table and everybody's like, yeah, we're good with it. They're like, there's a chance. That was my it, dating strategy in my 20s, by the way. And, so and it want, worked. I've seen the pictures. <laughs> if you want, you know, I'm here. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> hey, what, what do we always say? The best ability is availability. Is availability. Is availability. You know, and it's not in this situation. It's not hard to like so doubt um, because you've got you, you've got this uh, a couple of variables here. One of them is, OK, let's say the Pac-12 can secure enough money, which obviously there are people you know, trying to sow doubt that the money's going to be way off, right? Right. But let's say the money's okay. Um, what if it's an all streaming deal, right? Is that right. is that how and detrimental is that going to be to the institutions and their mm-hmm. student athletes? So there's that piece of it. And then naturally, there's, there's a, a part of this that has to get worked out at some point that we all have to acknowledge, which is Oregon and Washington are more valuable than the rest of the remaining members of the Pac-12. And are they going to want unequal revenue? Kind of makes Ooh. sense on their end. Ooh, I know right? something about that. I did an ACC story last week. So. Wouldn't that be reasonable in terms of the it value that they bring to the conference? Which then makes the four corner schools more likely to consider something else. Right, because the Big 12 would then say, happen. hey, we're going to be equal. Well, our, okay, so our first of all, you've got to walk them into a grant of rights for the rest of the decade, right? Yep. And then you've got to, and then uh, do they want more money than everybody else? Which in talking with, you know, um, people in the consultant game who who have no... Um, skinning the game on this one, um, they say, you know, you look at it and, and Oregon and Washington bring more value um, than the median SEC or Big Ten school. Like they are just they're, they're that valuable to the, the certainly to the deal here for the Pac-12 and, and to the conference moving forward. And so, you know, again, these are the kind of topics that can, you know, you if you're Brad Moore, your mark, you can keep kind of sprinkling that in and, and trying to make the case of the four corners like, OK, maybe the safe move is stick stick together, but there's going to be some problems here. So we we may see some movement, not I don't know if it's gonna be movement, like you said. It doesn't look like that deal's getting done this week. But we may see some more stuff floating out because all of the ADs, all of the commissioners, all of these conferences are getting together this week. So, mm-hmm. you know, all those ACC schools that are fighting will be in Greensboro and all the the Big 12 schools will be plotting against the the Pac 12 in Kansas City and, and the the Pac 12 schools will be you know, gathering in Las Vegas and and saying, you know, we're staying together. We love each other. And we'll see what they say. I, I, I'll i be curious to see when you get all those people together, what the gossip will be. Yeah. Max, you're going to Kansas and, City. And how much the, stock do you put into like the denials at this time, right? When you don't have an offer right. in front of you. Right, right. And is it is it just because you're trying to make the offer better or you're trying to decide what the best solution is for this if you're the Pac-12 because they they do have multiple solutions on the table and so that is the thing the thing about this too guys and I don't know you you tell me if I'm it does seem like ever since USC and UCLA bolted for the Big Ten that this was going to be an inevitability right 
So even if you get a short-term situation done financially with a deal, as we continue to move forward into the the path of the big two, mm-hmm. in 6, 10, 12, 14, however long these, it's going to be a problem again. So the, the thing that I continually think about when it comes to the four corners schools is, do you want to jump at the best financial situation or do you want to jump to a place that you think has a steady, you know, placement into the future? You know, if a time comes where the, you know, Oregon and Washington bolt or whatever, you, you want to attach yourself to something sturdier. And it's like, I might be the type of person who people think would just like jump for the most money. Uh, and maybe so depending on what it is, but like, I would also want to be on the sturdiest ship. And yeah. even if they both exist into the next few years, this isn't the last of this discussion. This is no. just going to push the yeah. push the the boat down the line a little bit more until we have to talk about it again. Yeah, I think you think back to August of twenty one um, when the Pac twelve, and this is an important data point. In all this, the Pac twelve decided not to expand and take members from the Big Twelve. There's a reason why it only took the Big Twelve like a week to decide. Okay, we're expanding. We're adding these four schools, and that is because um, as much as like like administrators do not like the anxiety. They do not like the uncertainty. Um, I think everybody was able to move forward on that deal and, and add those schools because well, they'd also they just couldn't the have that hanging over the, them any longer. With the David Boren dog and pony show back in, what, 2016, what was it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, they, they had, had they collected the some data from that school. time. Yeah. Yes, they did. Um, and so, yeah, like these, you know, these Big 12 folks know, like, it is not fun living in that uncertainty. And that's what the Pac-12 is is kind of dealing with right now. And uh the, the challenge for the Pac-12 is that there's because in, in part because um, the Big 12 made those moves already, like there's not some sort of magical move out there. You know, I think from from people we've talked to adding San Diego State and SMU dilutes the value of the Pac-12 media deal, most likely. And so um, at least in, in one in one estimate. Right. So the, the there's not some move out there that kind of solves all the problems. There's some things you can do. Um, but but you're right, Ari. I think part of the, that that um, equation there is like. Do you want to move towards uh, stability and and kind of having a, a resolution there? And and again, maybe the ADs for it, but the president's not. Like that's that's kind of the class you have at some of those schools too. We'll be right back after these words. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Max, you're going to the Big 12 basketball tournament. Probably not for the hoops, although that is the, the deepest basketball league. I don't in the country, think I could so. write a basketball story to save my life at this and, point. In my oh man, there's <laughs> there there is some fun hoops being played in the Big Twelve. So yes. you're lucky that you can just go catch a game if you'd like to. But I'm sure you're going to be talking to administrators and 
and people like that because that is or or you're going to go to the Fat Joe concert. Is it Fat Joe? Fat Joe. Yep. Okay. Yep. Who who else? Well, is that's be there? A, it said in the release that's a VIP concert, so I'm not sure if I'm on. So VIP. you'll get in. No I don't problem. Think I'm you're not, VIP you're not important enough to see Fat Joe. <laughs> like you get Fat Joe, and you're not going to give Fat Joe to everybody. What? <laughs> now they're also going to have Shaq DJing at this, so that I may try to scope out. Is is is, is he going to play that the duet he did with Foo Schnickens back in the day? Ooh, that's a deep cut, Andy. Yeah. Wow. Listen, I I was in Orlando. He he's time, he's so. per, was there. Did he do the soundtrack for Shazam? Uh, Does he have some tracks on that one? Interestingly, I don't. I, I think he had I've one or two. I, I've not seen that Shazam. I've seen the Zachary <laughs> Levi DC Shazam. Right. Ari hasn't, but I've seen the Shaq Shazam. You have? Yeah. How was it? It's the best movie I've ever seen in my life. It's better than anything they're making now. I'll tell you that much. I, I really want <laughs> to say that. I really want to say that. I just, I really hope that Shaq team. plays "What's Up, Doc? Can We Rock?" Uh, while, yeah. while while DJing because that's the, that that's that's all that really. I hope matters. he does the well. No, yeah, yeah. We're gonna see Shaq and DJ. Excited also, yeah. and I'm, I'm excited also, to eat the food there too. Do you have to pay extra to get Shaq to DJ or less to get Shaq to DJ? Because Shaq oh, just I think wants Shaq's to DJ. making good money on this gig. Yeah, I think he's he's getting some good money here to go play at Power and Light. So the the by the way the the food thing is really interesting. It's hashtag Big Twelve Eats. They have a signature dish for every school. Some of them they did a great job. Some of them that is just an embarrassment. Like it it should have been easier than this. Like the West Virginia one is a pepperoni roll. That's perfect. That is absolutely perfect. It's it it's called the West Virginia Mountaineer Roll. Like, they didn't need to do anything else with that. But the Pistol Pete's OSU fried corn. Listen, I love elote. I love street corn. And this is this is bacon fried corn topped with crushed Doritos, which sounds delicious. But let's be perfectly honest, just just make some knockoff Eskimo Joe's cheese fries. Yeah. Bacon like, it's not that, not that hard. Yeah. So... I agree. I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm probably will eat a few of these things, um, just for the content, you know. And we can oh, break absolutely. it down on the pod. I mean, I think I'm drawn to the Oklahoma taco, the fry bread taco. I love me some fry bread, though. I do think if you're doing the signature dish of the Norman area, that it should just be a cup of queso that costs zero dollars. Like that's that is the most amazing thing about Norman. Like you go to Tarahumara's or you go to Ted's Cafe Escondido. Like they just Put queso like here's some chips and salsa, and here's some queso. And you're like, but I didn't order queso. I'm not paying for this. I'm like, no, no, no. It's free. I'm I'm also drawn to the TCU loaded tots. Speaking of queso, tater tots, spicy queso, chopped smoked brisket, pico, topped with purple sour cream. Maybe maybe go light on the purple. They're sour using cream. so much purple food coloring in this because. Yeah. That the TCU tots have have purple sour cream and K State's Wabash Cannon Dog, which is a bacon wrapped jumbo hot dog topped with wildcat purple relish. Like, you don't need to make the relish purple. Guys, are we? I, I feel like we didn't talk about the one that really jumped out to me out of all of them. The that Baylor the Dr Cy- Pepper float. Oh, that's pretty good, but you know that wouldn't be me. I'm not a sweets guy. Cyclone yeah. tenderloin, Kaiser oh, yeah. bun, breaded pork tenderloin, sliced onions, sweet and spicy pickles. Oh, the the get that up I mean, in my face right now. That, yeah, I mean that the pork tenderloin sandwich is a is a thing, and I like that's a that's very a thing, inspired sure. choice. That's a very Iowa choice, and I I think that one's. I excellent. think if so, if I had to do a blind choice here, it would be between the pepperoni roll 
and the tenderloin. And the tenderloin. But the I think I get the tenderloin. pepperoni roll I've had a million times, so I think I would probably just do the the tenderloin. I oh, mean, uh, have you not had one of those like where they beat the tenderloin and, and make it all big and and they and have them at German up? restaurants, don't they? Isn't that like the whole Hofbrauhaus that's schni- thing? That's schnitzel. Schnitzel, but mm-hmm. I made my mom made schnitzel, but we did it with chicken. That was the Israeli schnitzel. Yeah, you know. the the but the pork tenderloin thing is is like that. You go to oh yeah a restaurant in Iowa. It's and the on thing is four times bigger sandwich section than yeah. the bun, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. If you threw a little mashed potatoes on there, maybe we can get a little bit of a uh, Ooh, a little know. crossover like the country fried steak. Yeah, sandwich that's, that's what I had me thinking. Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> I do think that mashed potatoes should be a normal uh, garnish on chicken sandwiches. Like I, I will die with that take. I don't think that's a bad take. I don't I'll try it. Yeah. So I, I like a rodeo burger too. That's the Texas Tech one here. Um, do you guys like a like a, a barbecue and, and onion ring burger? I like I'm, it, but I I'm more of a simple burger person. I'm not a big like the giant onion ring. No, because I I don't necessarily like onions. I I'll eat cooked onions, uh, but but the big thick onion ring. No, the onion straws on a burger though, all day. You know what I like? A cheeseburger with a fried egg on it. Yes. Not, that's, a bo- not, that's the ultimate it, boss move. I don't know what it is. I, I really like that. And, you know, not too much. Like, I, I do think like the onion ring and all that stuff, it tastes good, but I, I just don't gravitate toward it for some reason. No, I, I think the fried egg on a burger is great. I'll, I'll tell you what What I love the is if you want to go fairly simple with one kind of topping that you got to put a little extra effort for, just a mushroom Swiss burger. Like sautéed mushrooms, yeah. Swiss cheese. That's a good what? What's What's going on here? I'm not I feel a like, mushroom guy. Just anti oh, mushroom. That's, uh, that's understandable. It, again, see, I'm it's not getting on Max the for not liking sliminess. It's everything else right. I, I have no Right. It's the with. same. I, like, I, I wish I could eat fresh tomatoes. Hmm. Like a fresh tomato makes me want to gag. And I love things that are made with tomatoes. It just I, it doesn't work, but but, but and I love not Andy, I love red and white onions. Like I, I oh, do uh, you? Okay, say that's, I do too. Onion, yeah, like, I love onions. Yeah, I love red yeah. onion too. Yeah, yeah. See, so I, raw onion does it to me too. I can't eat that. So you're going to Kansas City? Is that where this is? Mm-hmm. That's right. What's the biggest difference? Is the biggest difference between KC barbecue and like Texas South Southern barbecue just more saucy? They dump. It's also just pork versus beef a bit. I would say I'm not saying that they don't have good brisket or beef ribs or whatever in uh in kansas City, well, but i think it's more andy wouldn't you say it's more of a, a pork and well, ribs town? i mean they're they're a big burn in town which is a beef yeah. thing yeah. but the, it's this the, at the older places it seems to be the sauce like it they have a very sugary sauce that they dump all over things the newer places are much more like the the, the places you find everywhere else where they're not as worried about the sauce you can you can get it on the side or whatever but yeah, I remember going. You go to Ar- like Arthur Bryant's, or or you go to to Gates. Um, I believe the the old the rib place, the really old one, is LC's. And I remember going there and getting the ribs and watching them come out of the out of the kitchen with the sauce dumped all over them. And I said, just please don't put that sauce on them. And they were delicious. Like they they were cooked perfectly. And I was like, why would you ruin these things with that sauce? But yeah. they love it. I haven't been to Q39 yet. I've heard good things. Um, I, uh, still I went Oklahoma to Gates. Oh, yeah. Well, now it's just Joe's because they realized, yeah. why Why are we giving Oklahoma all the credit here? Now it's Joe's <laughs> Kansas City. Yes. So, uh, have you been to Gates? Yes. No, I thought sure. it was delicious. Yeah. 
And then Arthur Bryant burn ins. I mean, those are kind of yeah. classic barbecue fare. So I yeah, Q thirty nine is what I want to try. I haven't been haven't been to that one yet. And I do think all the newer places, you know, it's not the same. Like they they get a reputation based on the the old tried and true type places. But even Joe's isn't like that. Joe's is more more like a Texas barbecue place. For sure. So yeah. what's that, like a two-hour drive for you? It's a three-hour drive, yeah. I, I, last time we were there, we did a couple different ones. We did Harp Barbecue, which is pretty Texas style. That was really good. And then Buck Tui is, is a, a Thai style, I want to say. Um, and it was... That you would love, man. They See, had, that's they what were I, doing like um, they were they were doing like brisket crab rangoon and ramen yes. and all sorts of sweet stuff. Oh wow! So that's, I, I like the Asian influence, yeah. the the Latino influence. Like if you if you go to Houston now, you get a, there, there's all kinds of like Blood Brothers in Houston. They have Asian Day on Saturday, where it's, it's just Asian influence barbecue, and it is amazing. So it's it's. It's getting real good. People are getting very creative with this stuff. So, well, Max, I expect a full report on all of the uh, the dishes there. And, you know, I I expect some scoops on potential realignment because you're at the Big 12. You're going to get you're going to get people being like, we're doing this and we're doing this and we're doing this. I think I think over the course of March, Andy, I think it's safe to say there may be some emergency pods. People may need to buckle up a little bit here. You hear that, everybody? We'll get the siren ready. We'll talk to you again soon.